Amen. Praise the Lord. Shall we, shall we be seated? Thank you, choir, for that awesome session. Um, as, as we all know, today's our family service day. It's, it's a day of sharing. It's a day of information. It's a day of discussion. It's a day of getting to know more about the church and, you know, what we stand for, where we're at. And by God's grace, that's what we're going to be doing in the next hour or so. But before then, um, we've got a young lady that's going to give us a poem. So, Shalom, I believe you're, you're going to be sharing a poem with us. So. Praise the Lord. Um, the title of the poem is Our Team Breakthrough. And as you listen, I hope you'll be blessed in Jesus' name. Breakthrough, an instance of achieving success when there is progress. Breakthrough, an instance you confess so you could be blessed. Breakthrough, miracles are happening now and we came through. Breakthrough, the evil we could not see but we saw through. Breakthrough, the path we could not walk but we went through. Breakthrough, when the devil says yes and God says no. Breakthrough, when we think we are saying pain, but it's all over, we gain, it's not in vain. Breakthrough, when God says go, you spread through. Breakthrough, when he says arise and shine, the world will know he's coming through. Breakthrough, when God says you will be healthy so you could be wealthy. Breakthrough, the good things the devil stole from you, you receive back. The devil is being smacked for you. Breakthrough, when you still think you are in a trance, but actually you just advanced. Breakthrough, when there is a stormy wind, he has given you peace of mind. Breakthrough, when, you're, when you are worried, instead of giving him the glory because your story just started. Breakthrough, the physical, the mental, the spiritual, you're no longer in slavery. God has given you victory. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Indeed, it is, it is our year of breakthrough. Amen. So no matter what any man might say, no matter what anyone has say, what's important is what is God saying about your situation? And like, like we've been saying since the beginning of the year, you know, it's, it's a time to, to step up and, you know, take responsibility. It's a time to, you know, move beyond your comfort zone. Because God is saying that you're going to break through. If you're going to break through, you can't just sit and cower where, you know, things cannot be, you know, business as usual. Because there's, there's, there's a change happening with a breakthrough. Amen. My prayer is that each and every one of us will break through in Jesus' name. All right. So, as I said, we... The, the plan for this, it's still morning. The plan for this morning is, I'll, I'll share very briefly, and then I'm going to invite uh, various heads to talk about, almost give an update of sort of the units, where things are at, what's happening. Um, I believe there are some slides that Kay is going to help us project. So can we please? <coughs> yeah. So for the past couple of weeks, I mean, in service, we've been looking at Matthew chapter 19. 
And we've, we've looked at a couple of points, you know, things Jesus Christ talked about there. We started by looking at the, you know, that phrase about the high of the needle. Again, I'm trying to understand what's happening with the technical crew. So we, we started by talking about the, the high of the needle. And we, we said that the, the point there is about God being the God of impossibilities. So he's the one that makes the impossible possible. That when Jesus Christ talked about the high of the needle, he was essentially talking about, you know, things that might seem impossible with men, but are possible with God. Praise the Lord. We then talked about the fact that Paul, sorry, Peter asked Jesus that, you know what, we've left or we followed you. So what, you know, what do we stand to gain? And so last week, the, the title of the message last week was follow me. And we, we talked about the importance of following Christ. We know there's, there's, a, there's a statement at the end of that chapter 19. And that's what I want to briefly talk about. You know, Matthew 19, 30. It says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Now, that same statement is, is repeated in Mark and Luke. I think it's, it's a curious place to place that statement. Why, why is Jesus saying many who are first will be last and the last will be first? Is it wrong to desire to be first? Because he ended the chapter saying many who are first will be last. So the first will be last. I, I remember the first time this statement actually struck me. I went to visit my brother and he was in the university. I went to visit him and I got there. He recently gave his life to Christ. I was the first to give my life to Christ in my family. And he recently gave his life to Christ. And I got to his university and he and my cousin, you know, I woke up. It was like their room was shaking. These guys were praying like no man's business. And the first thing that struck me was, the first will be the last because I had given my life, you know, I, I think I had gotten to a place where I was kind of like complacent. Let, let me give you a bit of a background about these guys. One of them as a teenager. Had, so we're talking about in the eighties, he had over 50,000 Naira in the eighties as a teenager. I'm not sure if somebody can tell me what the net present value would be, but I'm sure we'll be talking equivalent of hundreds of thousands. This was a, this guy wasn't over 16. So it was a big time hustler. He literally was going to sell his father's house under the father, the father didn't even know. As a teenager, I had gotten the papers, done this, done that, done the deal. But for God, the man would have just found that some people come and say, you know what, move out of the house. We've taken possession. My brother was a cult guy. For those who know Nigeria, was, you know, was a cult guy. And, you know, so these guys giving their lives to Christ and praying like, you know, the world is coming to them. And me that had been the brother, I was now thinking to myself, the first to be the last. And that, that really scared me, honestly. It scared me because I'm thinking if these guys are just giving their lives to Christ, can be so dedicated and seeking God's face, what am I doing? 
So when Jesus Christ said the first will be the last and the last will be the first, is he saying that we can't, you know, that there's no hope for those who started first? No, that's, that's not the case. And, you know, thank God, you know, in Sunday school, we were talking about the blessings of obedience. You know, you read Deuteronomy 28. One of the statements there in verse 13 says that we'll be head, we'll not be tail. We'll be above only and not below, not at the bottom. So there, there, is, there is an expectation that as a child of God, as children of God, we'll be successful, we'll do well. The question is, what do we do when we get there? Perhaps the, the statement in Matthew 19, 30 should actually have been Matthew 20, the beginning of Matthew 20. Because what Jesus Christ does in Matthew 20 was then going to tell the par- parables of the workers in the vineyard. And many of us might be familiar with that parable. You know, a owner of a vineyard got up early in the morning, went to look for laborers, went to look for workers. It got some people at it, you know, in the first instance. After a while, it went back. He saw some other people. They were standing idle. And I was like, you know, why are you guys standing idle? You know, go to my vineyard. Go work. I'll pay you whatever, you know, I think is right. It went later in the day. Still saw some people not having anything doing. And the same thing happened. Now, a, a time came when he wanted to give them money. And the first set, it didn't start with the first. It started with those that came last. So let's say, let's be practical. A day's work, you're going to work for the day. You get paid 15 pounds an hour. You work eight, this is math. You work eight hours, 15 times eight, 30 times four, 120. Okay, my math is not that bad. So you get paid 120 pounds for the day, for eight hours work. And you started in the morning and some guys came at 4 p.m. And we're going to pay at 5 p.m. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, the guys that came at five, you know, 4 p.m., there's 120 pounds for your day's work. If you started at 9 a.m. or 8 a.m., what would you be thinking? You'd be thinking, okay, you know, Christmas has come early. If the guys that did one hour's work are getting 120 pounds, Surely, I've put in eight hours worth. I'm, go- I'm going to get something extra. Well, I'm smiling. And then it comes to my turn, and I'm given the same 120 pounds. I'm sure many of us will say that's not fair. And we'll say, man, it's not, no, however you look at it, it doesn't seem fair. Why should I work eight hours and get 120 pounds, and someone worked one hour also get 120 pounds? But sometimes life is not fair. You, you know what the, the owner of the vineyard said? He said, you know, why, why are you getting so worked up? We had an agreement. What was the agreement we had? You work eight hours, I'll pay you 120 pounds. Now, if I decide to give the person that worked one hour 120 pounds, that's my call. I can do that. And that's, that's God. Can we question God? We can't question God. What God decides to do is up to him. If he decides you know, to elevate us above all else, so be it. Whatever, whatever he deems best, 
he will do. We, we can't question God. Someone that tried to question God was Job. And, you know, God, God went into, you know, that tribe. Were you there when this happened? Were you there when I created this? Were you there? You know, who darkens counsel without knowledge? And, you know, Job ended by saying that. You know, I've said so many things I did not understand. God will be God. Amen. You know, what was it about, you know, the, the first workers? Was it, was it all bad? No. I think if we think about this first set of workers, even though they complained, even though they weren't happy, so they had a high level of commitment. They had a high level of commitment. They came out early in the morning. You know, you think at the first break of dawn, they were ready to work. And they worked the entire day. They were steadfast. So we, I mean, we have to give them credit. They said they did what they needed to do. They came out early to work. They worked all day until evening. They were not slacking. And I think there's, there's a lesson for us there. We might, we might say that, oh, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. They didn't say, oh, I started first thing in the morning. I've done enough. Let others, you know, take it on. I think Baba is always saying he's, he's retired, but he's not tired. How many of us, some of us, we're not even close to his age. And we're already thinking, you know what? All this, let all these children be doing it. I've done my bit. We, in as much as we're still on earth, my brothers and sisters, keep on keeping on. Don't relent. <clears throat> you can't say, oh, yeah, I've been in the choir for 20 years now. It's time for me to step aside so that, you know, the younger, did the younger one say she step aside? These guys, they work from morning till evening. I dare say, please be careful. If you decide to step aside, that's when all manners of things you now be, you know, keep busy. Don't be idle. Don't be idle. Keep busy. These guys, they work from morning till evening. However, there, there is a however. They, they were very diligent in service. I think the first point or the first issue was that of misplaced expectations. They had misplaced expectations because they were thinking not as God was thinking. And God says, my ways are not your ways, neither my thoughts, your thoughts. So we, we are not God. We, we, we need to understand that God will do what he will do. These guys thought because the owner of the vineyard gave those who came at the end the same amount, he will do the same. Don't, don't let us be guided by our expectations. The Bible says as many as are led by the spirit of God, they're the children, they're the sons, they're the daughters of God. Let us be led by the spirit, not by our own thoughts, not by what we think works best. Secondly, they had a false sense of entitlement. They had a false sense of entitlement. After all, we've done this. How come we've worked so many hours? Why shouldn't we get it? We were the first that became saved. We we're the first that came to know Christ. We are the founders of the church. We're the, you know, the, whatever word we want to use. That, that in itself, that false sense of entitlement was there. But like we say, God will be God. 
Now, Jesus ends that parable with the statement, many are called, but few are chosen. And you're thinking, many are called, few are chosen. Where, where was that going? If we're not careful, if we're, if we're not careful, we can become complacent, we can become disillusioned, we can feel that it's our birthright and miss the mark. My prayer is that none of us will miss the mark in Jesus' name. You know, that, that passage ended with, you know, the, first will be, the last will be the first and the first will be the last. Two, two verses that I want us to just think about. You know, many are called, few are chosen. I pray that we will be amongst the chosen. Beyond the called, those that will be faithful in service, those that will be faithful in the relationship with God. Colossians 3.23 says that whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man. So your service is to God. And your service should be wholehearted. You're not, you're not, whatever you do, you're not doing it because of your pastor or your ministers. You're not doing it because of your parents. You're not doing it because of your children. It says do it heartily as to God. Not because even in your workplace, whatever you do, you know, put everything into it. Put everything into it. And it's not even just what you do. What do you think about? What do you think about? You know, Paul was saying in Philippians 4, it says that, you know, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, some verses say, if there is any virtue, if anything is praiseworthy, you know, think on these things. So it's not just the things we do, but the things we think about. We need to be excellent in service, but we also need to be excellent in our thought processes. Praise the Lord. And what is excellence? Excellence is having a committed relationship with God. It is focusing on Jesus Christ. It is allowing the Holy Spirit to function through you. It is a state of being, you know, an accomplishment and a process. It is being diligent in what you do. Are you diligent in what you do? It is taking pride in and responsibility for your actions. It is all hearted service. I can't, I can, you know, overemphasize this. It is all hearted service. It is going beyond self-service to serving others. It is going beyond self-service to serving others. It is going beyond the self. It is being considerate of the feelings of others. We, we're running an individual race, but we're also in it collectively. Praise the Lord.